The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer Bully Ray and I talk all about Monday Night Raw. And that's right. We saw Retribution with Mustafa Ali. We get into that. Did we like it? Did we not like it? Does it make logical sense? We discuss on this edition of the Busted Open podcast. Also, speaking of logic, we get into the Mysterio family and Seth Rollins. It's a storyline I'm really loving right now on Monday Night Raw. We talk about that. And speaking of logic and psychology, we get into a tag match between Shayna Baszler, Nia Jax against Ruby Riot and Liv Morgan and how maybe it lacked logic and psychology. We do all that right now on the Busted Open Podcast. Retribution, that's right. We've been talking about it for weeks and weeks here on Busted Open. Now, you said something interesting going into break because the commentators last night made it made you feel like Mustafa Ali, who is now, we know, officially a part of Retribution as the leader of Retribution. But you said something interesting. Maybe he is a big part of Retribution, but not necessarily the leader. Though, what you watched last night made led you to believe that he could possibly be the leader. Either way, Mustafa Ali with Retribution. So, Bully, let me ask you. Are you interested? Did it kind of save the story a little bit? Because more than me, for sure, more than me, you have been, let's wait and see. I've been the one that said, man, this retribution storyline is dead in the water. Your thoughts on Mustafa Ali last night. Am I still interested? Yes. Am I intrigued? No. I'm interested because I want to see what the follow-up is going to be. Because when Mustafa Ali walked out and then turned around and everybody's like, oh my God, Mustafa Ali is with retribution. I was like, why? What's like, what's the big deal here? I don't get it. And that's fine that I didn't get it last night. As long as I get it by next Monday. Now, next Monday is the draft. Well, the second night of the draft. So we might not even get the follow-up next week. They may hold this off for a while. But I want to know why Ali was directing traffic last night. I'm not even going to call him the leader of Retribution. Because we don't know if he's the leader of Retribution. All we know is that last night, he was directing traffic. Last night, he summoned everybody else in the ring. And last night, he threw up a hand signal. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, that's the same exact hand signal of the Dark Order. It looked very similar. It looked very similar. It was either the Dark Order or King Kong Bundy signaling for the five count. I mean, it's, it's the Dark Order's hand symbol. So, okay, whatever. Maybe they just decided to do something similar. I see a lot of people on social media going crazy for Ali as the leader or not even leader, Ali with retribution. Oh, this is great. Oh, my God, Ali. I didn't see it coming. This is awesome. This is awesome. Why? Why is it so awesome? Because you're an Ali fan and you want to see creative give him something. Okay, but that doesn't mean he's right for retribution. Why? Because uh, he does a lot of flips and he's had a couple of good matches and, oh my God, this is so great and all you do is look at things on the surface? Well, that's not really a great reason. But I'm going to give them every chance on the follow-up to tell me why Ali was the perfect person last night. Listen, from day one we've been saying that anybody and everybody can be in retribution who has a gripe with the WWE. 
I'm sure somewhere along the line we can find a gripe in Ali. Well, I think there definitely is a gripe. That's why I'm I'm more interested and intrigued in this story and retribution than I have since day one, Bully, because of the story with Ali. Ali, as we know, they were building up Ali before WrestleMania 35. That match that Kofi had with Daniel Bryan, that was supposed to be Mustafa Ali. Got injured, done. And honestly, has never gotten even close to where he was leading up to WrestleMania 35. So, again, first of all, Bully, got to give you a lot of credit here. Because the questions that you were throwing out, like why? Why is this? Those questions should have been thrown out by the commentators last night. Instead of them being Gaga and, oh my God, it's Mustafa Ali. Oh my gosh. They should have been like, why? Why is Mustafa? Why is this? The Mustafa, why is, those questions that you were asking should have been the questions that the commentators were asking on Monday Night Raw. Now, one of the things that you and I have talked about a lot is why. Why, why, why is Retribution so angry? Why have they been throwing out these accusations? To me, Mustafa Ali encompasses all that. You know, he was that hacker. But again, everybody was bringing up the hacker. That hacker was on SmackDown. We don't see Retribution on SmackDown. Retribution is all we've seen for, what, over well over a month now is just on Monday Night Raw. But Mustafa Ali definitely has a gripe. Now what I want to see is him explain that gripe to the audience. And then, again, every other member of Retribution has got to have a gripe as well for this to make sense moving forward. Because now that we know it's Mustafa Ali, Bully, as you always say, what's going to be the follow-up? That's what we need to know moving forward with Retribution. The most basic points in pro wrestling are the who, what, when, where, why, and how. When you're doing a good promo, as long as you hit the who, what, when, where, why, and how, and then build a story on it, that's how you get asses in seats. The most important is the who. Last night, we found out that the who, for the time being, is Mustafa Ali. He's, been, he's the one directing traffic or the one that is, has directed traffic the most out of anybody involved with Retribution. Do I think he's the leader? Absolutely not. I think there's going to be, if they're smart about this, there's going to be levels. And what they did last night where we saw Ali join Retribution, they, can, they should continue doing it. They should have reveals every week or so the same way they did it with Ali last night. Like, wait a minute, they're in retribution also? Like it should be a never-ending story of all these people with retribution. And retribution should be should have numbers because you can find enough people within the WWE, former talents, NXT talents, talents that were never utilized, talents, the agents in the back who were wrestlers who never did a damn thing, who were thrown a bone and now they have jobs within the company. Anybody and everybody. Yeah, I agree with you. Like now we need to know the story. Here's the other thing too. A lot of people are hoping or throwing out that maybe Triple H was behind this because, you know, we saw a lot of NXT talent. As far as I know, Mustafa Ali was never on NXT. I know he appeared like in the, in one of the Dusty Rhodes uh, tag team tournaments, but I don't think Mustafa Ali was ever a part of the NXT roster. So knowing that, and especially if he is going to be kind of like maybe not the leader, but kind of like what you said, the uh, the ring leader when it came to what we saw last night. I don't think you can use triple. I don't think Triple H or that NXT background after Mustafa Ali was unveiled last night is going to be the essence or foundation of retribution moving forward. And like I said, the excitement that people had on social media last night, I just wasn't understanding. Like, oh my God, this is going to be great for him. This is the best. This is perfect. This is the best choice. How? Why are these monster guys that we see uh, with Ali, why are they listening to Ali? What is it about Ali? Now, when I talk about the bigger men listening to the literary guys, we've seen in history, not just wrestling history, but the history of the world where stature doesn't mean anything. Some, I mean, uh, leaders, 
dictators. Yeah. There you go. Napoleon. Uh, it, it's all about how persuasive you can be, the power of your words, and how you can manipulate people's minds. Maybe Ali is able to manipulate all of these, the, these other retribution members. Maybe he's the one that's able to bring them together and say, look, look at how we've been treated. Look at what the machine has done to us. Look at how the machine has eaten us up and spit us out alive. But has the machine really done that to Ali? The only thing that you can go back to is that story leading to WrestleMania 35. If Mustafa Ali, he got hurt, but he never got like that opportunity again. Again, bully, not saying it's, but that's the only really thing that, you know, once that happened, he never got another opportunity again. WrestleMania happened during this whole COVID dog crap. So what opportunity was he supposed to get? What was I mean, he supposed to do? Come back from his injury and the day he's back from his injury, immediately get a title shot? Hello, SiriusXM. This is Pat McAfee. Starting Wednesday, my show is coming to Mad Dog Sports Radio. If you don't know me, here's a resume. I used to kick balls for a living. Sometimes I do comedy. I'm an undefeated professional wrestler except for one match. And I do a radio show where I'll entertain the living hell out of you with sports takes and some stories from my crazy life. The dumbest sports show to ever exist, The Pat McAfee Show. We're on weekdays from noon to 3 Eastern starting Wednesday on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Channel 82, Amazon Alexa, Google Assistant, or however the hell you stream in your house. We're talking about retribution from last night. Mustafa Ali, we now know, is a part of retribution. Not only a part of retribution, but maybe not the leader, but in a leadership role for sure. Right now, he's the only one that's unmasked with retribution. There's a possible story here. I brought up the fact that, you know, he lost his championship opportunity going into WrestleMania 35. It was taken by Kofi Kingston. It was due to injury, but he never really got an opportunity Again, and really before that story, before WrestleMania 35, he never really got an opportunity. So maybe, just maybe, it's feeding into some of the things that we've been hearing from Retribution. But they got to give us more. We need to have. We need to understand. We have to understand why they're doing what they're doing. And the big thing, and this is not just for you, but for the nation as well, is Retribution a heel? or babyface faction. The reason why I ask this is because every time I see them in the ring fighting with somebody, it's mostly against the Hurt Business, Bully, which the Hurt Business you would think is a heel faction, or maybe Hurt Business isn't a heel faction. I don't know. But, I mean, right now, for the people who are watching Monday Night Raw, I, I think in a lot of ways, a lot of viewers feel the same way Retribution does about the WWE. It's a very, very odd kind of comparison when you look at is Retribution heels or faces? I think they're leaving it up to the viewer right now. What are they to you? In your heart, what is Retribution, heels or faces? In my heart of hearts, with everything I know as a wrestling fan, they're heels. Okay, fine. Then they're heels to you. With Ali being the one in charge last night, there's so many people that love Ali that they might retribution might be baby faces in their eyes just because of the Ali alliance. Yeah. It's going to they they're going to try to slow play this as long as they can to keep people guessing, to keep people guessing. I don't think Ali is going to be the eventual leader. There's going to have to be a reason why Let's say Ali is the leader or whoever the leader winds up being. We keep telling you that we keep talking about this. There's got to be a why. We talked about the who, what, when, where, and why and the how. There's got to be a why. I don't know why Brody Lee is the leader of the Dark Order. And I've gone on record to say that I don't believe that Brody Lee might be the be-all and end-it-all of the Dark Order. I, I would say there could be one more level above Brody Lee. But I don't know why it was Brody. And if that story was told, I wasn't smacked in the face with it. I would have had to fish for it. Brody always felt like a bit of a force to me as the exalted one. Bully, as the leader of the Aces and Eights, 
We might have been scratching our head for a year, but boy, oh boy, when they got to that wrap-up show, we all understood why Bully Ray was the leader of the Aces and Eights. And just listen, people, when I talk about Bully Ray, I'm talking about a character and a story, not myself, okay? But I want to bring up knows Aces how much and Eights. No, no, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I want to bring up Aces and Eights for a second. Because first of all, Aces and Eights at the time, especially with doing Busted Open, that was a very, very hot topic. Now, aces and eights were kind of cool in their own way. I mean, they, you know, they're in the back, you know, smoking cigars and drinking whiskey. I mean, you know, at the hot chicks all over the place. You know, you wanted to kind of be a part of aces and eights. But what did it aces and eights do to make you hate them? They targeted people that you loved. So people that you loved on the roster is who aces and eights targeted. Case in point with lockdown with Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy, there was no more popular wrestler with TNA than Jeff Hardy eight or nine years ago and who did aces and eights target jeff hardy that's what made you hate aces and eights as of right now every time things get physical it's the hurt business now the hurt business earlier on the show are fighting with apollo cruz and ricochet people that you're supposed to love so when retribution's going up against the hurt business what is retribution doing to make me hate them that's a heel faction in the hurt business also you know you mentioned mustafa ali mustafa ali is somebody that the fans were behind and were upset that he was never getting an opportunity so now he's in a main event storyline so fans of mustafa ali are are happy that Mustafa Ali is getting TV time. Also, what they're saying about the WWE, a lot of that is truth. A lot of that, what they're saying is what people dislike about the WWE. Retribution is saying on the microphones each and every week. So again, when you bring up aces and eights, Bully, I can define it. I can understand it because it made logical sense, especially the plan that they had. I don't understand retribution at all. Now, in my heart of hearts, as me as as a wrestling fan, I'm guessing that they're heels. But man, if the WWE wants you to hate retribution, they're sure doing a lousy job making you hate them, bully. Great take. Perfect. You took what I said and you wrapped it up. I completely agree. Here's the thing. While you're talking, as you're making your points, you know what name keeps coming back into my mind as the leader of Retribution? Who? Triple H. But if you unveil Triple H as the leader of Retribution, and his thing is he's pissed off at Vince, Retribution's a babyface team. Oh, my God, yes. Oh, my goodness. I mean, Bully... How many phone calls? Because you go, let's go back to what you've said the last couple of weeks. The, the fans that are watching Monday Night Raw are basically the hardcore pro wrestling fan. What has the hardcore pro wrestling fan said about the WWE for years? We hear it each and every week on Busted Open. Boy, I can't wait for Vince McMahon to finally retire so Triple H can take over the company. If Triple H is behind Retribution then my goodness, they, they are the biggest baby face faction in the last three decades in the WWE. I don't know who they could put as the head of retribution that would make people hate retribution. We're already a little confused. This is the faction that says they're going to destroy WWE, beating beating up random people, Molotov cocktails, and then WWE gives them a contract. That's all wonky, but it's it's already gone and forgotten about. And unless we bring it up on the show or the occasional person on social media, you know, it is what it is. It's a storyline point for the here and now, and then we move on to the next storyline point. Last night was exciting for some fans. Last night, some fans were excited because they just didn't see it coming. And I, when I watch pro wrestling as a fan, I don't just watch for that surface level entertainment. I'm always asking why, because I like to be invested in stories. That's just the type of fan I am. Just because you gave me a reveal last night of somebody who's supposed to be a henchman or a higher up in retribution doesn't mean that I'm going to go, oh my God, I didn't see that coming. That was so great. No, because it, it doesn't make sense to me right now. So I'm scratching my head and going, why? Why is Ali the leader of retribution? Now, I'm not going to come on the show and I'm not going to bash it because I have no... 
I have no reason to bash it. I have no reason to understand it, but I have no reason to bash it. And that's why from day one, as you said, I've been giving them the benefit of the doubt with retribution, despite everybody or most people saying how much they don't like it. You sent out a tweet last night and I sent and I sent you back a gif of poker with that river card, yeah. that last card. I don't think last night was that last card, because if last night was the reveal and if Ali is the leader of retribution and he is the be all and end all, they better have a really great freaking story as to why. Because now retribution, we've seen everything that we can from them. Yeah, so maybe they'll unmask somebody and it, it'll be uh, Dijakovic and then maybe when Mia Yim's better, they'll un- unmask her and, and, you know, she's in retribution and who's the other? Dio Madden. And maybe we'll get other, maybe Apollo Crews and, and, uh, and, Re- and Ricochet are really a part of retribution too. I, I, but again, all those names, they're going to be baby. F- I mean, everybody said, what, what, what have you said, Bully? And Mark Henry has said, Ricochet, boy, they used him so much when he first came up. And, but, but for what, seven months now, they haven't used him at all. Dio Madden got what, a cup of coffee on commentary, two, three weeks, and then they pulled him off the show? Like, he has a legitimate gripe, man. You didn't even give me an opportunity. You didn't even give me a chance. Dominic Dijakovic is somebody that we absolutely loved on NXT. He was a baby face with NXT. He had some great matches. With Keith Lee, just those two guys just going head to head and having mutual respect for one another. Mercedes Martinez is somebody who had one of the best cage matches we've seen in years in the WWE. And Mia Yim is somebody that the NXT fan base loved more than probably any other woman on that roster. That's retribution, right? That's retribution, bully. So it's going to be very, very hard for people to hate retribution. Shit, man. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of cool with them wrecking the Raw set. That that sometimes I get nauseous sometimes when I see those red lights on Raw. Right now, you're speaking from the heart as a fan. And as of last night, you're starting to get into retribution. You're starting to like retribution. Yes or no? I, I, I am. Especially as we're talking here now. Yes. A group that has caused so much chaos and destroyed so much, and you're starting to like them. That's why I believe that the WWE is leaving this up to the viewer, the fan, and they can make their own decisions. They're not going to tell you what to like and what not to like, because at this stage of the game, what the fan base has been whittled down to, the diehards, the hardcores, You can't tell them what to like and what not to like. They're going to make up their own minds for themselves. When, when pro wrestling, let's just go back to attitude era. When things are hitting on, when you have a, a great foundation of a pro wrestling fan base that you've built on. And now you have casual fans that have turned into momentary diehards like the people that come up to you Dave and go oh yeah man I used to watch all the time during the attitude era well if they don't watch anymore they're not really diehards you know what I'm talking about yes yes okay so those people you can manipulate those people you could tell love this one hate this one with the fan base we've been whittled down to with the fan base that's listening to this show they're gonna make their own choices I'm going to love this person for this reason. I'm going to hate this person for this reason. And right now, hey, if we threw up a poll right now, do you love or hate retribution? It'd be interesting to see what would happen. Hey, everybody. This is Fran Freshella, host of the podcast World of Basketball. The game of basketball has truly become a global game. Markovic fires it in to make it. Somehow it goes in. Each week, I talk with the players, coaches, and executives who have led the way in growing the game of basketball around the world. Real Madrid have stolen victory from the jaws of defeat. Episodes are available every Thursday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. Let's get into Seth Rollins and Murphy. You know, the continuation of a story that I'm really, really into, but we finally got some physicality between Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy. I don't think Murphy should have gotten any shots in on Seth with that kendo stick. 
I think they could have played this up a lot better. They could have really made Seth a groveling coward. And they could have shown a little bit of compassion in Murphy. When Murphy got that stick, Seth should have dropped right down to his knees and begged and pleaded for his life. Cowering, head down, covering up. Please, oh, please don't do this to me. Please don't hurt me. I'm so sorry. I was wrong. Murphy, you were right. I should have never done that to you. I'm so sorry. He should have been backing off, backing off, backing off, crawled in the ring and kissing his ass, kissing Murphy's ass and just groveling like a sniveling little coward to where Murphy's got that stick high over him. And now you see the doubt in Murphy's eyes. And now Murphy eventually puts down the stick because Seth, because a man looks at another man and he's like, look at you, you coward on your knees, covering yourself up. What kind of a man? Are, it's almost as if watching him be in a pool of his own pity and disgrace is enough. That would have been better than hitting him with the stick. And then just as Murphy lowers that stick, wham, Seth pounces and puts the, the, puts the thumb in the eye. I wouldn't have thought any less of Murphy. I would have thought more of him as a man for showing a little bit of mercy right there. And I would have understood it. Dave, if... Somebody, if you were in a similar situation where you want, really wanted to get your hands on somebody and they dropped to the ground and were covering up and were begging and pleading, you might have that moment where you're like, all right, what am I going to do? I'm going to hit this guy while he's down? You know, you're the bigger person. You're the better guy. I almost would have liked to have seen that out of Murphy because now... Last night, that would have shown what a manipulative, groveling coward Seth can be. We could have seen a little bit of a little bit of an uh, empathetic side, sympathetic side, whatever the word is, from Murphy. But then after last night, Murphy would never let that happen again. I don't want to see Seth get his comeuppance yet. I want to see Seth get his comeuppance when it's absolutely the right time. I thought they could have held back on the kendo shots last night. And then, go ahead. I know what you're no, going to say, so go ahead. No, no. And before we, and before we get to that, because there is, a, it was a little illogical, but I want to get to the point that you just made, because, Bully, the story you painted is a great one, because that brings a little bit more realism. I think they hot-shotted that just a little bit, because you're right. Let's look at the story that they've been telling for months between Murphy and Seth Rollins. Murphy, you know, Seth to Murphy, Seth Rollins is a mentor. It's somebody that he really respected and somebody he really loved. Now, is he de disappointed in Seth Rollins? Does he want Seth Rollins to apologize? Yes, he does. Because he does feel for the Mysterio family. And maybe he's doubting his own allegiance to Seth Rollins. But if you love and respect somebody as much as Murphy has loved and respected Seth Rollins, you're not going to all of a sudden jump to a kendo stick and start pounding on the guy. When especially when somebody falls to your feet, you're going to feel a little bit of pity. You're going to go back to the reason that you fell in love with this person to begin with. And I think it's absolutely the right way to go. The, the picture that you painted bully, cause it's going to be like, Man, I feel I I feel something I have never felt for this person, and that's pity. And you're gonna get that for for a fleeting moment. You're gonna get Murphy feeling pity on Seth Rollins, and like you said, that's where Seth Rollins takes that knife and plunges it into Murphy's back. Then you go to anger, and then you go to hatred. They skipped over the most emotional part of the story. Which is empathy. Like they should have, they, I think they hot shotted it there. I think you're absolutely right, boy. I'm in 100% agreement with you. That could have told a little bit more of an emotional human element and realism to the story if they played it the way that you painted it. Murphy could have been just looking down at Seth, and basically what you could see going through his mind is look at you, Seth. Look at how pitiful you are. In this moment, 
How big of a coward could you possibly be? You're not even worth me swinging a kendo stick at you. And showing the empathetic side of him also. Because like you said, Seth was a mentor to Murphy. So those emotions come rushing back in. Man, how am I going to hit the guy that gave me an opportunity? Before Seth, I really wasn't doing anything. This guy gave me an opportunity to be somebody. Uh, all right, I'll accept his, kind of accept his apology. I don't want to accept his apology. I want to wrap this freaking kendo stick around his stupid freaking head so hard it hurts uh, Becky. But I'm not going to do it. All right. And then he lowers his guard. And then wham, Seth goes right after the eye. That's how I would have played it. And then here comes uh, Aaliyah. Uh, I believe Aaliyah and Dominic are doing a really good job. I loved when Aaliyah and Dominic were walking up the ramp and Dominic was like talking almost underneath his breath where the camera and the microphone really had to pick up what they were saying. Like Dominic's, man, what's, what's, what's wrong with you? What are you doing? You know this is a bad dude. What, what's gotten into you? I loved being a fly on the wall, a horse fly, and listening to that conversation. And I think that's the Dominic and Aaliyah story is going to get real interesting. I'm, I'm kind of disinterested in what Ray has to say anymore. This has become more to me about Dominic and Aaliyah. And I, I think agree. mom and dad got to sit back and let their kids. If, if you're going to let your, allow your kids on TV and you're going to allow your kids in the pro wrestling business, then you're going to have to let them become men and women within the pro wrestling business. And Bully, I agree with you too. Like, I'm glad that, and it's funny because you saw a lot of tweets last night where like, boy, Dominic's a terrible actor. No, like, you know, it's, it's, it's realistic because it wasn't like he was playing up to the camera or talking loud enough for the camera to pick it up. It was like Bully said, he was talking under his breath. Like, like, what's the matter with you? This is like, yeah, this is a bad guy. A lot of times with Monday Night Raw, they scratch the surface of the of things and they don't get deep. Finally, with this storyline, they're getting deep here. They're really they're really striking a nerve. That's why I think there was a misstep with with uh, with Murphy Murphy and Seth Rollins last night because that was a scratch the surface moment instead of getting really deep and getting emotional. Now this is something that we're going to bring up. It's something that bothered me, and I want to figure out if the nation feels the same way as well. When Seth Rollins did drop to Murphy's feet last night and Murphy had that kendo stick and Murphy starts beating on Seth Rollins, there's the one point where now he's, he's taking a beating from Murphy and Seth Rollins takes off his coat to show Murphy, like, look at the marks that you've left on my body. First of all, you haven't left any marks on his body because you had a coat on. The last thing you want to do with somebody with a kendo stick is expose your back and not only your back, but your bare back to somebody with a kendo stick. That made absolutely no sense to me last night, Bully. Zero. He was hoping by taking off his jacket, he could expose the kendo stick marks that Murphy had inflicted on him. Seth is wearing a pretty thick padded leather jacket. There wasn't anything there for Murphy to see, or at least I didn't see anything. Did you? No, I didn't. So that was that's a miss right there. Seth, Seth should have crawled in the ring, begged for his life. He could have taken off his jacket and just got on his knees and basically held his arms out at his side. The Jesus crucifixion pose. And just lowered his head and said, please, please could you imagine that scene right there of, of Seth on his knees, hands out by his side, head bowing down low, saying, please, Murphy, please. He's not even looking him in the eye. He can't even be man enough to look Murphy in the eye. That's how much of a groveling dog he is at that moment. And then Seth would have bowed and almost put his forehead on Murphy's feet. What a picture you would have painted there. And then Murphy lowers the stick. And then Seth rises up and just looks at him and goes, please, thank you, Murphy. Thank you for showing me sympathy. Thank you. 
wham, thumb right in the eye. Wow, you would, have, you would have grabbed people right there and you would have shown depth of character that we haven't seen before from both guys. Seth becomes more of a piece of crap, a manipulative piece of crap. We see a little bit of empathy from uh, Murphy and it's going to make Murphy stronger because he will never, ever trust Seth again. Now you really want to see Murphy get those kendo stick shots in on Seth Rollins. And this is where bully, like what you Especially do. Especially because last night was you're hitting him. You're hitting him. He's got a thick leather jacket on. I you know. might as well be hitting dreamer in the ass. There's a, that, that's how much padding is there. Yeah. He's lost a lot of weight. He's on a diet. He looks great. Listen, bully. This is what I love about what you're saying here, especially each and every Tuesday morning, because you're not knocking the show and, and just throwing shade on the show. What you're doing is you're tightening the screws here. You're tightening the screws. Like, I just feel like with Monday Night Raw, like if they just put a little more thought and logic into these storylines, just a little bit more, nothing crazy, just put a little bit of extra effort into it. Think about it. You basically got, you set it up perfectly perfectly for what you just said. So, like, you're there. The, all the props are there. The setting is there. Everything is perfect. All you have to do is just tighten up the screws. I just feel like with Monday Night Raw, they're missing the boat, but they're not missing it by much, especially the way you just laid out this story right now. What they did last night wasn't, I didn't really think it was good. It was okay for what it was based on the story they're trying to tell. I thought it could have been a lot better. Listen, Seth and Murphy and the Mysterio family is a story that I'm invested in. I really like it. Uh, it, it has tons of potential. I just thought that they missed a major beat right there. And like you said, I'm not going to come on here and bash. I'll just give ideas on how it could have been done better. That should be my that should be my job title. I should get a job at the WWE and be screw tightener. Yeah, screw tightener, improver. That's it. What do you do? I'm a screw tightener. <laughs> yeah. I tighten screws. That's it. What do you do? Damn it. Tighten screws. Call to call in the screw tightener. <laughs> Tell him to bring his drill. Hey everyone, this is Kirk Morrison. This is Greg McElroy. And this is Nate Burleson. With the 2020 NFL season finally upon us, we're excited to announce three new NFL podcasts from SiriusXM. On Total Coverage, we'll explore the hows and the whys behind the week's biggest results. On Inside the Pocket, we will go under the helmet for all the quarterbacks in the NFL. And on 17 Weeks, Jamal Adams, Emmanuel Sanders, and Eric Ebron will discuss the latest NFL stories straight from the locker room. New episodes of all three podcasts will be available every week on the SiriusXM app and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm re-watching this match with Liv Morgan and Ruby Riot and Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax. A match, Bully, that I really liked, and I liked the ending, and I liked the emotion. But you are so right. They go after Ruby's right arm, and they're working that right arm all at the beginning of that match. And Shayna twice stomps on the arm, where... You know, you're looking at the replay. It looks like she broke. You sure Ruby's it's the right arm. arm or the left arm? Was it the, the let me go back and look. It's got to be the sure. left arm. I'm almost positive it's the left arm. All right, I'm going to go back. If she's, and work. work, if she's working the right arm, then then everybody should be fired. I'm going back to look. Because, All right, but, but it doesn't even matter at this yes, point. Yes, it does. Because, it does. It does matter. Explain. Because if they're, make, if they're working the right arm, it's that much worse because that's the arm she blew the comeback with. She stomps I, her left I, arm. I remember her on the mat and getting her arm stomped. It's her left arm. I'm almost positive. It is. It's her left arm. So it is her left arm. And you're right. When she, she, when she blew the comeback, it was with her right arm. Though she wasn't favoring her left arm either. Like it almost felt like when she got tagged in that, you know, she's not like selling that, that left arm at all. And again, no the left arm bad. didn't come into play. The left arm did not come into play at the end of the match. As a matter of fact, with her left arm, she's trying to get out of the chokehold with the left arm. 
not th- that is not psychologically sound. I'm not trying to ruin the fact that you liked the match. I'm giving you my opinion on the match. And the match was not good because of awful psychology. Yes, the Riot Squad looked cool. Yes, they got great gear. Yes, they're, they're, they're vibrant and they're full of piss and vinegar. And they're chipper and they're ready to go and we're ready to fight. And yes, Liv Morgan had great facials at the end of the match. Yeah, I get it all. But that tag match made no sense. Zero, nil, nada. And and this is like, I don't know, you know, I'm I'm watching this match again. And again, I'm I'm not singling out uh, the Riot Squad at all because it's a match I did enjoy. But she's not like, it's almost like when she tagged herself back in from Liv Morgan, she forgot everything that was happening at the, she got her, she got her left arm stomped twice. She's in that arm bar where she's screaming in pain. She tags in Liv Morgan. Bully, I'm not lying, in the ring for 90 seconds. Then tags Ruby Riot back in, and Ruby Riot is not selling that left arm at all. And who is the one who stomped on her arm and manipulated her arm and snapped her and looked makes it looks like she's trying to snap bone, tendons, and joints? Who's doing that to her? Shayna Baszler. Where what world does Shayna Baszler come from? The world of MMA. If Shayna Baszler puts you in an arm bar, she could break your freaking arm. She could probably manipulate my arm into a position where I'd have to just muscle my way out. And see, this is this is very, very again. You know, we talk about Seth Rollins and Murphy before where, man, if they just paid a little bit more attention, if they just put a little more time into the story. And like you said, tighten the screws just a little bit. You could take a story that's good and make it great and make it memorable. That match. What were they thinking? What were they thinking? Now, again, I I I don't I don't put the heat on the women. No, sorry, because not one of those women's are masters of psychology or understand the do's and don'ts of tag team wrestling. This is where the producer comes in and whoever was the producer of that match did not do those women any favors. In my opinion, I'm watching that match and I, and I'm just bewildered how a shoot fighter could basically do something to break another woman's arm and has done that in the past and nothing come of it. The ref doesn't throw the match out like they were doing when Shayna first started. The ref who ended the Mickey James match doesn't take, uh, d- doesn't even give it a second look. Ruby's blowing a comeback. Why go near the arm? You know what? I could probably, probably find a way to convince myself that it was a good idea if the arm would have been the finish, mm-hmm. if there would have been some kind of Jujikatami, Kesakatami, whatever arm bar finish or a regular arm bar, then I'd be like, all right, I, okay, fine. I'll, I'll find a way to get on board. Nope. Not after what I saw last night. And again, but Sur- you survey could- says, eh. No, and you're right. I mean, first of all, that should have been a squash right away going after that arm. They probably shouldn't have gone near the arm if that was going to be to finish until the second half of the match. Like, you know, you just you're just having a fight, you're just having a match and then in the second half of that match, Shayna Baszler like when Ruby Riot tags herself back in again, then Shayna Baszler goes after that arm. All right, and then that becomes the finish. Then it makes perfect sense. But instead, you chose to go after that arm at the beginning of the match. And again, when Ruby comes in, she's is she's not selling the arm at all. How are you not selling that arm when you're putting offense in? Dear God, how are you not? How are you not holding that? Arm? The first thing she then then she tags Liv Morgan back in, and then and then Liv Morgan, you know, has an has an arm bar on Shayna and tags Ruby back in, and Ruby, you know, does the twist and twists the arm using both those hands. How are you doing that? Yeah, you could get offense in, but but also favoring that left arm. You know, can you know every once in a while just holding that left arm, or tries to go with something and then then winces in pain because of that left arm is in pain because of what Shayna Baszler just did three minutes ago in the middle of the ring. 
And then, like you said, Bully, can almost forgive it. Not forgive it, but almost forgive it if it turned out to be the finish of the match. It wasn't even the finish of the match. She gets choked out. I always they, tell they did not tell a story. They did not tell a story in that ring last night. They did not tell a story because from day one of watching professional wrestling, the nature boy Ric Flair. What did Ric Flair do? He went after the leg. Why? Because his finish was the figure four leg lock, and eventually he was going to try to put you in that figure four leg lock. So he would go after the leg. Shayna Baszler, if you're going after that arm, you got to tell a story there. They did. That was. I'm. I'm sorry. That was not a good job by them last night. When Shayna first started, she came up after she bit Becky in the back of the neck, and that didn't work. About there were about two or three matches where she did the same thing. She gets a girl on her back, she bends her arm backwards, and then she stomps it at the elbow joint. And they were just stopping matches. Just ending the matches because they knew the you know, the girls could not continue. Last night she does the same thing to Ruby Riot, and the ref does nothing. Are we supposed to think that Ruby Riot is uh, double jointed, ambidextrous? Uh, that her arm is stronger than other girls' arms for some miraculous reason? And then not only does she stomp it, she picks the arm up, she puts it in an arm bar, she puts it in a wrist lock. She broke her arm at the shoulder, the elbow, and the wrist. And this is Shayna Baszler. And nothing affected Ruby Riot. So you can't tell me anything about this. The psychology was bad. The storytelling was bad. It's on the agent, whoever it is. I welcome a discussion with that agent whenever they'd like to talk about it. Um, yeah, and that's it. You're making Shayna weak and you're making Nia weak in my eyes because Nia can't get the job done with a Samoan drop and an announce table on Lana, and Shayna Baszler can't get the job done manipulating Ruby Riot's arm. These are supposed to be killers. I would If it was me last night, Shayna Baszler and, and Nia Jax would have never come off their feet. And if they did, it would have been once at the right moment Four lives come back. Maybe a missile drop kick, or maybe a misdirection. Maybe Nia goes after Liv. Liv moves out of the way. She takes out. She takes out Shayna, which continues their little animosity towards each other. Yeah, they still get the win, but right after the win, they're still arguing because you hit me and I hit you by mistake. This is where it comes down to the producers. Just because a wrestler comes up with something doesn't mean it's good. When you're going over stuff like, okay, I'll do this, and then I'm going to do this, and then, okay, and then the other person chimes in, when I'll do that, and then right after this, I'll do that. Just because you came up with it doesn't mean it was good. You got to sit there and think about it. Does it make sense? Other wrestlers ask me, Bubba, does this make sense? Well, I don't know. What are you doing right before it, and what are you doing right after it? That's how you know if that moment in time makes sense or not. And to me, everything needs to make sense. Yes, occasionally there's creative liberty. That's like me and Devon hitting a 3D two minutes into the match and then somebody being able to continue and blow a comeback. What are you, fucking nuts? You're Shayna Baszler. You break people's arms. It's not like you're against Ronda Rousey, where maybe Ronda Rousey, who can withstand that pain, it's Ruby Riot. I'm done. And, and the thing about Ruby Riot, she—if you go back and watch that, she is on that mat. I mean, forget about just wincing. Forget about just holding that arm. She is in so much pain. She's rolling around in the ring and kicking her feet because she's in so much pain. She's able to get out of rig, tie, tie in Liv, you know, tag in Liv Morgan. 90 seconds later, Liv Morgan tags in Ruby Riot, and Ruby Riot is not feeling any ill effects from those stomps in that armbar. Zero I, effects. I'm not, I'm not telling you to not like the match. I'm not telling anybody else to like the match. I can understand why fans of Liv Morgan and Ruby Riot would like the match. I'm telling you why I didn't like the match. As a fan but mostly as a professional. And also, I, I, would, I would have to believe from what we've seen, Bully, that this wouldn't happen on NXT. 
Like NXT has done a phenomenal job of telling stories in the ring. I don't think what that matter. It's funny how the developmental, uh, the developmental show does a better job of storytelling in the ring than the flagship show on Monday nights. Who are the agents in NXT? Well, I mean, you know, first and foremost, I mean, she got she got Triple H and Shawn Michaels. Who else? Who else Road do dog. you have there? Road, Road dog. dog. You have uh, Matt Bloom. You have uh, you have you have agents there who I believe understand psychology and storytelling better than the agents on the main roster right now. Now, I understand you still have the Michael Hayes. I don't know who's exactly there on site. Yes, the Pat Patterson and the Michael Hayes and the, and the, and the, um, and the uh, Johnny Aces are still around. Those guys are, they're really, really good. I don't think any of them was the agent on that tag match last night. I'd be shocked. And I'm wondering if after that match, if they were, that they are doubting. Or is it just, get, let's just get through. Or is it just, let's just, just get through it. Dave, who cares? Yeah. After, we're, I mean, after this segment is over on this show, nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to talk about it. It's our job to review the show as honestly as possible. That was a segment on the show that you loved. And I'm going to tell you that's why that was a segment on the show that I did not love. But you have to be careful here. You know, when you talk about like Brock Lesnar, you know, Brock Lesnar, you have to be careful with Brock Lesnar whenever he's on TV. Why? Because he's the most credible talent that you have on your roster. Right now, when you talk about credibility, like just being a complete badass, that's right now, that's Shayna Baszler. To me, that's Shayna Baszler. They're not treating Shayna Baszler like a badass. They're not giving Shayna Baszler nearly the badass treatment that they gave Ronda Rousey. No, that I agree with. They should. At least 50%. You would think. Ain't happening. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation, Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.